This is TDPS. Eric. Yes, Christopher? Are you sick of doing promos for my new books yet? That depends. Are we at the beach? Yes, we're at Sapphire Cove, the fictional Southern California resort featured in my new gay romance series coming in 2022. This is alarming. When did we go outside? You were transported by the powerful prose of C. Travis Rice. That's my new pen name devoted to steamy and emotional tales of romance between men. Yeah, no, that's not it. I was about to eat a sandwich in the studio, and now I'm being harassed by seagulls. Brandon, get rid of the seagulls, please. Oh, that's much better. Now I have to pee. First, pre-order your copy of Sapphire Sunset, the first installment in the Sapphire Cove series, which goes on sale March 1st, 2022, from Blue Box Press, when a new member of the resort security department falls hard for the nephew of the wealthy family that owns the place, sparks fly, and sexy scandal ensues at Sapphire Cove. Uh, Yeah, could you pre-order that for me? I'm going to run to the little podcaster's room. Brandon! Come get this seagull! I can't help it if my writing sets the scene. I know what I'm going to set if someone doesn't come get this seagull. Where'd you get that sandwich? Sapphire Sunset, the first book in the Sapphire Cove series from C. Travis Rice. Now available for pre-order. Eric. Yes, Christopher? Have you been to my website lately? Why would I go to your website? You're sitting right here. Well, it's the place to find out all about my new books. Why would I go to your website for that? Again, you're sitting right here. All right. Well, for people who aren't right here, ChristopherRiceBooks.com is a great place to get information about my new releases. Which you'll give me copies of because I'm sitting right here. Yeah, maybe. But for those who aren't currently sitting in our studio on the Sunset Strip, check out my website, sign up for my mailing list, and check out all the posts on my blog where I talk smack about Eric Shaw Quinn. What smack? Shut up and read this new book I wrote. Fuck that and fuck ChristopherRiceBooks.com. This ad did not go as planned. This was an ad? Hi, I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. And you're listening to TDPS Presents Christopher. And Eric. Big episode today. Big, huge, 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 really? huge episode. Well, Jordan is going to be here. Oh, Jordan Ampersand, our critic yeah. at large. Well, don't say, oh, yeah, he's trying to redeem himself after the way yeah. he's treated you. Again, I'm about moderating those expectations. Oh, I'm just right. saying. There's moderating and then there's having low expectations. They're two and different I think things. that's maybe what I would recommend. Um <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, getting back to the theme. I'm just going to let that comment roll off me. I'm getting back to the theme of the month. Are you moved into your new place yet? Are you moved into your new place yet? Are you oh, moved yeah. into your new place it's gonna yet? It's going to be like the Simpsons yeah, kids, yeah, yeah. huh? Are, are we there, there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Ooh, we were perfectly in sync. I know. That's a little alarming, Yeah, it was really weird. Jinx. Shut up, kids. Um, Yeah, no, it'll be um, four to five years. I'm hoping that it'll be, you know, later this year, but it will be a while. There's a lot to do. And as I said last month, that's kind of one of the great things about this place. It's going to be plenty of work and that sort of thing. But but when it's done, it will be what I want as opposed to me moving into what somebody else thinks is great. Yeah, idea. and it's your turn. You've earned it. It's your turn. What do you think is going to take the it's longest? My turn. What? What do you think is going to take the longest? What you're anticipating will take the longest? Uh, getting the um, the contractor to do anything. <laughs> 
Should we do a separate podcast just about your renovations? I think we might want to film it and sell it oh. as a reality show. Yeah, I'll say. I'll say. I think we should have a we should <laughs> should be a competition to see um who could be who could survive as your contractor. I was going to pitch it in reverse. Who gets released from being your contractor? No, I think you're right. I think it's who survives being my yeah. contractor. Okay. I you know, like I'm not impossible, but I'm not uncertain. I'm not uncertain. What does that mean? It means you're very specific. It means I know what I want and I'm very specific about it. And I think some people interpret that as a kind of hostility, which I don't ever intend it that way, but I am really specific. And if you don't do what I want you to do, I'll just keep asking you to until you do it. Right. But you're not abusive. No, there won't be screaming. I mean, I think that's unprofessional and gross. Um, No, I I don't want that kind of energy in my life. Why would I, why would I generate it? Um, Yeah. But yeah, but but by the same token, I'm not going to say things are okay if they're not. Yeah, absolutely. You're going to have to do what I want to do, and you're going to have to keep doing it until it's what I want you to do. And that's never going to change. Yes. And that, you know, sometimes puts people off. It does put people off. Yeah, there was that one instance. <laughs> With that some... guy said, uh, just because you're not yelling and screaming does not mean that you're not being... Unreasonable? Isn't that what he Just said? because you're speaking in a helpful tone doesn't mean you're not being unreasonable. This was a subcontractor we were working and with. I was and like, I was like, doesn't it? Exactly. If I'm being reasonable, yes. Doesn't that mean that? I yeah. think it does. I think it means that. Um, <laughs> people are weird, and working with people is weirder. That's oh, from my so weird. book of wisdom. It is so weird. Like people, You hire people to do stuff, and then they act offended that you've asked them to do it. That's the one that always astonishes me. I'm like, um, I'm sorry, isn't this actually what we hired you to do? I, I, we once had some guy scream at me because we offered to hire him somebody to help him. Mm-hmm. But, and we discovered this later, what he was afraid of was an, an expert in that field discovering what a mess he had made of a system he didn't know how to operate. And so if we brought in somebody before he could delay our project week after week after week trying to fix the mess he had made, doing stuff he wasn't qualified to do, that would have exposed him. Although I would say he was pretty exposed in that moment. It was, In fact, the thing that I said to him, which might move into the more hostile region, mm-hmm. was he said, I said, well, we would just get you an expert who could move it. He said, but I am an expert at this. And I said... If you were an expert at this, wouldn't it already be working? <laughs> you did say that, and it was very <laughs> that's, true. That's kind. That's a little bit all over the yeah. line, but I didn't say it any different than that. Yeah, totally. I didn't scream it at him. I just said it, which but was you called a good friend of ours for emotional support during that period, and he said something really interesting to you. I think it was. You have to accept the fact that most people oh, yeah. are not interested in doing a good job. Is that what he said? Am I quoting him correctly? He said that most people don't do their jobs like we do. That's what he said. He said most people are just interested in doing the least they can possibly do in order to remain employed. And that's not how, certainly not how I work. Well, and and there's the thing. I used to think that was only true of artists because that was a self-aggrandizing, whatever. It's true of of entrepreneurs. It's true of people who 
don't necessarily who have been able to thrive without a boss or a supervisor. Like I have a friend who's a real estate agent. He has exactly the same mentality. He never feels like he's done enough. He's working after hours. He has to be his own taskmaster, and he can sometimes overdo it. He can be really hard on himself. Yeah, you know. And I think people in creative professions where there's not like HR or a lot of union support, you know, outside of the Hollywood unions, which some of which kick you out the minute you stop working, you know, that that they have there's a sense that you have got to just be on 24 seven if you're going to stay remain in this industry and have a toehold in it in any way. And, And I'm not talking about big screenwriters. I'm talking about. People who are their own boss, really, or who have to be their own boss. Yeah, and you've got to do the job. Yeah. And you have to show up, and it has to be right, and it has to be on time, and it has to be like, but why wouldn't it be? Why? I just don't understand the concept of not wanting to do that. That's the part that's, that's challenging for me. And and the other thing that I do is I offer other people that same respect. I I believe that other people believe that, too, and I react towards them in that way until they make it absolutely clear that that's not their work ethic. Well, I, you know, and I think there's, what is it, the, the, how, the, how does the phrasing go? The difference between somebody's intentions and their actions, right? Somebody may have the intention to do a wonderful job, but what's stopping them from doing the best job they can do is that they won't... <laughs> ad- doing their job. Well, they won't admit their actual progress and they won't address their actual problems because their problems require them to ask for help for people from some people and they don't want to show that. I think that's when that's when I've made my biggest mistakes yeah. is when I don't want to ask for the help that yeah, I need. Yeah, that that is really that's yeah. just fear based, but yeah, that can be really hampering to anybody. And I think we've all fallen into that trap. I yeah. I hope that I have maybe outgrown that for the most part, but yeah, um being afraid to ask for help or to admit that you don't know what how to do it. Right. Just to simply say, I don't know how to do this. Show me how to do this and I'm happy to do it. That's the one that I remember in high school, my uh, junior English teacher, I was in, they put me in advanced, you know, in knows just how to speak English, English class, Mm. uh, or like I was- King's English class. King's English class. That must've been it. I have no idea. Um, Which I was like, okay, because I hadn't been the year before, I don't think, but I'd been identified in- promoted to upper level English. And I got in and the right off the bat, the teacher who was also an assistant principal. So discipline was far more important to her than English. Mm. Um, wanted me, wanted us to diagram sentences. Mm-hmm. I'd never done anything remotely resembling diagramming sentences in my entire life. So I had no clue. And so I said to her, um, I need, could you show me how to diagram a sentence? I, I don't know. I don't even know what that means. You know, like, could you show me? How? And she said, no, by the time you're at this level in school, you should already know how. And my favorite part of this story is, so I went to the head of the English department, who is actually a friend of mine, and I said, Francis, would you show me how to diagram a sentence? And she said, well, nobody really does that anymore. And it's been a long time, but sure, let's sit down. So we sat down and we diagrammed, I don't know if it was from, the Declaration of Independence or what, but mm-hmm. it was some sentence that we diagrammed. And I, you know, she explained to me how you diagram. I don't remember the explanation at all because it's the stupidest thing I've ever heard of and completely useless. Mm-hmm. And you'll never need it again in life, like algebra. Um, <laughs> unless you're going to work at JPL, right. which nobody is ever going to ask me to do right. unless it's for PR. Right. Um, on camera. Talent. Set dressing. Right. Yeah. Um, so, uh, 
So I turned it in and uh, we got an F, the head of the English department. <laughs> and I could not diagram a sentence to um, to suit this woman's fancy. Unbelievable. Yeah. You were saying something recently on the phone with me about how hard it is for men to talk about their fears. I think it's the same thing, right? If you have a man in a position of supervising, let's say, a department or a project, and they're not it's not coming together and they don't get it right. Their 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 fear of getting it wrong prevents them from asking for help. But well, you think it's harder for men. Their fear of being seen to get it wrong. Their yeah. fear of being like the the message that I think men have gotten for a very long time is that everyone is depending on you. Mm-hmm. Everything depends on you. You have to do whatever. And I think it's men not asking for directions. You yeah. know, I think all of those things play into that kind of fear in, in, in that, you know, is n- nurture, if you will, for men, because they don't want to be seen as not knowing or not being competent or weak. That sort of insane notion, the Donald Trump notion of weak as, yeah. a, as opposed to being strong enough to say, I don't know how to do that. Could you show me? Which actually takes greater strength and maybe a little more bravery, but is much harder to do. My thing with the asking for directions thing, and the reason, because I don't want to ask for directions. I don't want to let a stranger know I do not know my way around. I do not know where I am. It's not about not knowing my way around. I don't want to let a potentially dangerous person know I'm out of my element. That's my aversion to it. And I think some men come from that place. If we're driving in a car and we're in a strange neighborhood, I'm not going to pull over and ask a total stranger where we are because I could make all of us vulnerable by doing that. And that's just a different version of the same thing I just said. Well, there's actually a tangible threat in that. If the other person is an, a danger to but us. But you don't have to say you don't know where you are. You have All you have to say if you're asking for directions is, do you know how to get to um, the Hollywood Bowl? Which means you don't know where you no, are. No, it means I don't know where the Hollywood Bowl is. <laughs> In relation to where you are. It doesn't make any difference. It doesn't okay. mean I don't know where I am. It means All I right. don't know where. And honest to God, if I'm in an environment where I feel like I'm, it's a threat to me to pull over and ask somebody directions, I don't really have to know where I am. I just know that I need to not be there anymore. <laughs> and I can just drive until I'm not there. <laughs> and then ask for directions. Yes. That, okay. that just seems like situational awareness. Totally. Like, okay. That works. That so, works yeah. for me. so if that's been a doubt for you, like if you were a place where you feel like it's a threat for you to be there, you should leave. Yeah, no, I and do. It doesn't make any difference where you're headed. Just get out of there. I, I do. I have actually, after years of, of walking on Sunset Boulevard throughout all of the different the city's different waves of homelessness and insanity. unrest and insanity, I, I stop giving people directions. That's become an opening for some really unwell people to be like, do you know where this, I'm so glad you answered because see, I have this right here. I have a bottle of this. this is from the spirits. And I'm like, okay, good luck. I'll see you later. You know, like I have become a New York pedestrian in West Hollywood. I am the person that people for reasons that defy all logic to me will pull over 
and ask. I guess it matches your thing because I don't seem like I'm threatened. <laughs> you just seem like you've got but a lot I of give character. The, but I have no idea where anything is. Nowhere, no idea. The no. worst directions. And people will pull over and ask me directions to anything. And the really terrible part of this story, I hate to say, is I always give them directions. Yes, you begin I, giving them directions. And I don't know where anything is. I'm the worst. Yeah. Yet. You can find your way out of a casino in five seconds flat. That's because I'm visual. Like I, I don't get lost in that kind of in the that typical kind of way. Because if we've passed this way, I can remember passing it. Mm-hmm. And that's the way with casinos. It's vis- all visual cues. But yeah, but like, ask me what street and what's north and what's south and those kinds of things, and I'm just clueless. See, I have I have an unassailable sense of north and south. I don't know what it is. It's like I have a compass in my head. It doesn't mean I can always find exactly where we're going. But I do better with that on the East Coast. Yeah, oh, that's weird. The West Coast, it's upside down. Uh, see, I was born on the West Coast, so I have 10 years of being imprinted that way. So maybe you got a different sort of thing, but I get north and south confused on the West Coast. Yes. Because it's in the wrong place. Things are in the wrong place. Okay, so... The, this is a really long way of saying that we think your contractors are going to take a long time on your renovation. Is that what we're saying here? Well, I, think, I don't think this I has think anything to do with Because they're anymore. men and they can't ask for the help that they need. I don't know that it's necessarily men. I yeah, think I it's, it's just human. contractors. It's, it's human. Just, it's contractors. It's yeah. part of that business. I think they're really stressed out and really in demand and they have a lot of different projects usually in order to make their business viable. And so they make a lot of promises and... Sometimes that doesn't pan out. I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. And Eric and I aren't just podcasters. And bitches. That's right. We're also authors. And you can buy all of our books at www.thedinnerpartyshow.com or tdps.tv and wherever ebooks are sold. At thedinnerpartyshow.com or tdps.tv, you can check out my Right Murder mystery series. Or sample my Burning Girl thrillers. The best part is, the more you buy our books, the less likely we'll end up filling the spot with an annoying ad for a napkin that counts your calories. The TDPS Network, alienating potential advertisers one promo at a time. So uh, every Wednesday on the Dinner Party Show's Facebook page, this is not an advertisement. We're back into the flow of the regular <laughs> podcast. Buy our books. 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 Um, th- we do something called the Wednesday question. It's to remind people about the most recent episode, which always goes up on and s- that it's Wednesday Sunday, and to remind them that it's Wednesday. And we um, wanted to ask people a question about this topic that we've been addressing all month. This but there was a city ordinance, so we couldn't. We couldn't, so instead, no. This was the question we put to our party people. What is the worst living situation you were ever forced to endure, Ugh. and how did you get free of us? Tell us all the scary, free horrifying... Of us? Uh, free Did I write that? You said free, free of, of it. Us. No, I wrote the right thing, thank God. <laughs> how did you get free of us? Well, I took you off my Spotify playlist and shut you up forever. Don't tell people how to get free of us. I don't even know how to use Spotify. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know how to get. Uh, you're stuck with us. If you're listening, you're gonna have to listen this for all not, time. You can't ever stop listening. Yes. Tell us all the scary, horrifying, or revolting details. Oh my God! And people, Christopher, I people leaned into the revolting. I was just looking for words. Oh, it's yeah. Wednesday. I'm no. tired. You've, you've 
you want to hear what happened to me. You'll only okay. believe what happened to me. Everybody wants to tell that story. Do I do I want to hear what happened to you? Do you want to start? Oh, I meant that's everybody's no, attitude towards that particular question. No, let's start with our with the party people. I think they're okay. Let's start the stars of this show. So let's start with party people. I I just went on and on and on and on about contractors for forty five minutes. So maybe it's time for somebody else. Amy Wallace has this to say. Her story was is uh, set in Wisconsin. She had never been there before she moved there. She says, we had a house and land we could reside in. However, there were two working electrical outlets upstairs that worked and all the rest did not. The roof had been installed wrong and the moisture barrier trapped the moisture in. Mold, she writes in all capitals, was a problem. There was a huge hole in the roof if you looked up in one of the closets. Oh, dear. Laughing uproariously emoji follows this sentence. The driveway was long and steep and covered by trees and driveway turned to and the driveway turned to a bobsled track. I was terrified to walk it, let alone drive it. Uh, Totally. Terrified. I believed I was getting a two bedroom house with dishwasher and modern conveniences, but it was much more like camping. Yuck. The property was sold by my husband's family, oh, 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 and we had to move, thank God. That means you bought it from your husband's family. Where were they when you were noticing the hole in the roof? Um, that's my interjection, no, by I the way. I think they sold it out from under them because they had to move. The property After, was sold. It belonged okay. to the husband's family. They moved into it, and then the husband's family sold it, so they had to move out of it. Yes, but that, okay, yes, you're right. So they didn't buy it. They right. just had it. So they didn't have a right to complain, unfortunately, or maybe that was the thinking i would have complained you would have complained oh my god i would have driven everybody insane until it was fixed they moved to a short-term rental with a seasonal creek that ran through the basement oh <laughs> oh oh my god out of the frying pan into the fire oh my god I was like oh, oh seasonal Amy. creek that sounds lovely but it's in the basement then they ended up moving to new york to buy a house and thank goodness for that okay that was bad but okay that was bad a hole in the roof is bad i don't there want to downplay news, yeah in wisconsin a hole yeah. in the roof oh my god what comes you know snow rain wolverines what comes through all of them? <laughs> are there wolverines in wisconsin this wednesday's wednesday question <laughs> what is a wolverine is it just an x-men it's like a cousin to a honey badger, baby. Is it? Oh, my God. Look at it, how much you know about animals. Monstrous little animals. I don't know that. I just Shit made that about up. Animals. You know about a Scotty dog you that's had it. 20 that's years it. ago, that's all 30 I know. years ago. That's all, I, that's all the information I have. Okay. Um, this is an interesting answer. Dana Maudlin Reese. Oh, wow, she says. I have several. Um, probably a crawl space sized closet in a party it's house. Dana. Dana. I'm sorry. There's an, there. <laughs> I know I, there's an apostrophe in there, so I'm just guessing, but I think yeah. it's Dana. Dana. I also am not great with pronunciations. Um, probably a crawl space sized closet in a party house in a college town Ooh. or the basement room of a boarding house with a Burger King drive through right by the window. That actually sounds like it might be kind of No. <laughs> if it's too far away to order. Oh, if it's you can't just... reach out the window. Oh, that would be torture. <laughs> if you can just smell Burger King and you have to go uh, outside. Oh. That's too much. Yeah, that's too much. But yeah, being that close. I think, and the end verdict there is she'll have to think about it. So I have to think about it. It's a it's a crawl space size closet in a party house in a college town. That sounds rough. Yeah, that's pretty bad. Um, some of these got pretty serious. 
Um, they weren't just sort of revolting and gross. Yeah. Gina Rowden's dad held a gun on her mother, younger sister. Oh, oh my God. When she was 10 years old during their parent, their oh. contentious divorce. Jesus Christ. And she says, long term, I was in a three-year abusive relationship that started when I was 18. About a year of that was me slowly putting the pieces in place that I needed to be able to get away as safely as possible. Right. Indeed. And we were good. Glad, we're glad you did. I was curious how many... We're going to go to a relationship place with this question. I mean, some people were like, here's the worst house I ever lived in. And other people were more, more like, this is the worst person I ever lived with. A few weeks ago, we did an episode of that show, Worst Roommate Ever, for a true crime TV right. club. Right, she was pretty bad, tough yeah. to top. Yeah, and anytime you're you're stuck in an abusive relationship, that's that's got to be the worst. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, Rhonda Reeves, the D word, not Dallas. D-I-V-O-R-C-E. That uh, is all. Or did you mean a house? There you go. She outlined the conflict that I just outlined right there. No, I think that would be... Yeah. yeah. It's the the relationship, sure, bad, bad house situation and whatever is is an enormous pain in the ass, but it's the, per, it's the people that you're living with that yeah. really... I mean, for me... Okay, you're up. I'm putting you up. Okay, well, you know, obviously it would have to be the boyfriend who tried to kill me. That yeah. would be definitely have to be the worst. Um, I will say that was not particularly protracted. Mm-hmm. That was, you know, like I'm not, there weren't extra chances. Right. It was over. Because I was going to say. It's not like you're yeah. going to do, you may do better, but you will be doing it somewhere else was very right. much my attitude. Like, when the sheriffs took them, took him away, it was like, right. "Yeah, bye, go away." Yeah. Um, yeah, that was so. Yeah, without putting too fine a point on it, that has to be the worst. But it was like that incident was. There was one where it was like, "Okay, was that an accident, or did you mean to do that?" And then the next time was literally had an iron chair in his hands, holding it over his oh head, and was getting ready to kill me and. The neighbor arrived with a shotgun. Wow! Did that thing, wow. um, and said, "You can either put the chair down or, and sit in it and wait for the police to get here because they've been called, or yeah. the police can pick the pieces out of you of you out of the shrubbery when they get here. But right. it's entirely your choice." Um, but yeah, oh my God, and the roommates, Jesus Christ, the best, my best terrible living situation was the horrible, horrible roommate who, um, who was also my boss, mm. who was- How did that go? Oh my God, it was it, as, as bad as it could have. Like, I think it could have gone fine, except he was a horrible person. Um, mm-hmm. he was like, he was accusing me of stuff at work that- and then creating fake files to make it look like I had done it. Oh my god! Like it was just wait. So like, how how did the fake file thing work? He well, was... it would to substantiate whatever he was reporting to. Oh my god! The our boss boss yeah. um, that I had done. Yeah, he was mm-hmm. just he was a terrible person. But so when he moved out without any real notice or covering a month, he took hey, he fired me at the mm-hmm. same time. So he took both halves of the rent and he fired me. Because I had been in charge of the move for the office and I did a perfect job. I went in for a, an employee review with him and he told me that I had done, my work was 
flawless that the only thing that had gone wrong in the whole move was a, uh, the glass in a picture frame was broken on a picture that he had insisted on packing himself. And so naturally, he fired me. Oh, my um, God. And moved out and took his half of the rent. But the good part of the story is that this is the same roommate who ended up serving me breakfast <laughs> every Saturday morning at my favorite restaurant mm-hmm. for a year, which was like... Yeah, that's that kind of is okay. So he ended up getting a demotion, and of I sort. became a best-selling, a New York Times best-selling yeah. author in All the right. same time frame. And so, yeah, so it was kind of like, eh, so eh. you were having to live with the boss who was gearing up to fire you. Yeah, that's pretty. Yeah, bad. like one of the reasons that he fired me was because. Um, on Thursday, I was always late on Thursdays, but the reason I was always late on Thursdays, I think it was just once a month was because he wouldn't give me the rent check sooner. And so I had to go when he gave me the rent check to deposit it so that I could pay the rent and the expenses. Jesus Christ. Yeah. But he blamed me for that and counted that as one of the reasons that he fired me. Wow. Yeah. And the other one was that I wouldn't agree to the things that he had said. Even though I was willing to, I consulted an HR consu- a specialist and said, and um, they and said they'd "Don't said, agree." They'd said, "You you don't have to agree, but if they, but they, you do have to sign saying that they have told you this stuff." Okay, like you can say that they told you this stuff without agreeing to it, and I wouldn't agree to it, but I would have signed it, and he wouldn't let me. Here and then he said, said, "Well, then I leave. You leave me with no other choice. You're fired." And I was like, "What?" I mean, wow. I, I could not have been more surprised because I didn't technically work for him. I was somebody else's assistant. It was really, it was insane. Yeah. It was a terrible situation. And he was just a terrible Wait, person. Can you, we, we don't want to name names, obviously. Can you name the type of business that, that you guys were in together? Um, It was a uh, an AIDS charity nonprofit, wow. medical nonprofit. It was a nonprofit, yeah. Non- like, nonprofits can just turn into... Nests of adders. Like, it's just unbelievable. Well, I think it gets into a lot of dynamics. The thing that really, I think, was the thing that ruined um, the relationship, both in terms of work and the living uh, situation, was my boss, the person who I was his assistant, um, was going to get an award from this group of uh, this organization based in Palm Springs. And the, they wanted to send out invitations to our donors, our base. Mm-hmm. And I said I would do it in exchange for tickets mm-hmm. to go see their, um, to go to the event because mm-hmm. Jennifer Holiday was going to be performing. Yeah. It was cool. Um, so, okay. So it all worked out and we were going to go to, um, to whatever. And I was going to ride with my roommate. I, did not have the car to drive out there or whatever it was. I was going to ride with my roommate and then he decided he was going to stay longer. And so he couldn't take me anymore. And so then he wanted my ticket. What? So that he could take somebody else. And then he was going to just stay at my friend's house and take my ticket and whatever. So I was who I also worked with. So I was kind of upset about it. Yeah. And the friend who I was supposed to stay with found out, and I was like, "Yeah, I just feel like nobody would have tickets if it wasn't if I hadn't yeah. worked this this deal out." And right. now I'm being dumped mm-hmm. so that he can have the extra ticket to take somebody else. 
that he wants to go with him to whatever this uh-huh. event is. And he was like that. We went to a convention once where we were supposed to be like on the floor passing out pamphlets and whatever. And he had room orgies with most of the <laughs> temporary people who were working at all the other booths. Oh like he was kind of, a, yeah, he had some real issues. Yeah. Um. So, so yeah. So once my friends found out, they were like, no, that's mm-hmm. not what's going to happen. Yeah. Um, we're not doing that. You, yeah. you are coming. Um, mm-hmm. That's over. And yeah. so, but it, after that, he came for me. Wow. Okay. That's that's pretty bad. I just have, I know I keep going back to that. I have to live with the guy who's not even technically my boss, but trying to get me fired, and I have to go home each day. <laughs> yeah. He was a terrible yeah. person. He was a terrible person. It was one of those ideas that seemed like a good idea. We both needed something at the moment, and so it seemed like it was a a good fit for both of us, and it was a bad situation. Yeah. Okay. So one more from the page, and then I'll I'll then decide yours. which one I'm going to say. Okay. I've got a couple, but they're different than everybody else's because I'm special. But Rob Casey says, this is a long one, so strap yourself in. My parents began what would become a multi-year divorce battle when I was 12. After a couple years into it, my older sibling went to college. My mother descended into increasing abusive behavior towards me. Huh. She'd struggled with alcoholism throughout my life from before oh. I was born. Usually my dad or one of her siblings bore the brunt of her hostility. The focus of her wrath became me once my father and older sibling were no longer around. Mm. As my parents were battling in court over their divorce, my mother seemed to take more and more of it out on me. God. It was as though she projected all her hatred for my father onto me. It got so bad, it was likely that my mother had even poisoned me. Oh, my God. I ended up severely ill with unexplained elevated arsenic levels amongst a host of increasingly awful psychological torture. I was sick and weak for months. God. We never could definitely prove it was her, but there was no other clear explanation for my increased arsenic levels. Yeah, that's... That's really odd. In a brief moment of clarity, some years later, she all but confessed it was her. Carefully worded to avoid implicating herself, but it was clear. My mother, at another point, was convinced I was evil and a Satan worshiper. I wasn't, of course, but she was certain of it. I was just having a bit of a goth hairband phase, trying to figure myself out in those awkward teen years where you're into a bit of everything pop culture-wise until you find yourself. She dehumanized me at every point she could and would keep me up all night, berating me to the point I had severe sleep deprivation. My God. She tried to convince me I was evil by wearing me down. It was horrible. When I first came out, she badgered doctors into a misdiagnosis of various mental health conditions I didn't actually have so I could be heavily medicated. Well, I've heard this one before. She was convinced my being gay was a psychological issue and managed to manipulate doctors into agreeing with her. The medicines messed me up because I didn't actually need them. I've been to therapy as I got older, and I can confirm that I did not, nor have I ever had the conditions I was treated for as a teen under my mother's insistence. This is not to say that having mental illness is bad, only that I didn't actually have the mental illness I was being treated for. Right. Being treated for something you don't have is bad. This only scratches the surface of the day-to-day psychological and some physical abuse I'd endure. It caused immense psychological distress as a teenager. I was on edge all the time. I was always in fight-or-flight mode. One night I couldn't take any more, so I called a friend for help. Their mom came and got me that night. I emancipated myself and lived with that friend's family for a year. 
I had failed a year of high school previously, but did well that year with my friend's family. Getting off of unnecessary meds and getting the right therapy and treatment helped me immensely. I'm certain getting out of that situation and emancipating myself saved my life. I am too. My God. Um, I'd forgiven her years ago, but couldn't deal with her toxicity. To this day, I never personally had a meaner person in my life. She died this last January nearly a year ago. I'd already mourned her over the years long before she died. I was saddened by what could have been and what never was. Wow, Rob, uh, thank you for your honesty. That is... Yeah, that's a bad living situation. That is, that's beyond a living situation. That's life and death situation. That was... Because when you're a kid, you're entirely wholly dependent on your parents and the people you live with. I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. Do you have a question or comment about this podcast? Then come share it with us on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash the dinner party show, no spaces, and we'll do our best to answer it on the show. Just watch out for our aggrieved manservant, Shea Butters. He moderates the page, and he's been known to talk smack about the two of us. Most of what he says about you is true, though. We can discuss this later. That's right, at facebook.com slash the dinner party show. No, I meant in the car. Hi, I'm Eric Shaw Quinn, and I'd like to take a moment to congratulate my co-host and producing partner, Christopher Rice. He's got not one, but four new books coming out in 2022. But today, I'd like to tell you about one in particular, a standalone thriller called Decimate. It's the terrifying story of what happens to our kitchen here at the studio Um, when I ask Christopher to make the tea. Yeah, no. When I said improvise the promo, I didn't say you could make shit up. I am not making this up. Look at that kitchen. Okay. Hi, party people. Decimate is actually a thriller about telekinesis and near-death experiences, the page-turning tale of a woman who becomes convinced her brother is being held hostage by a supernatural force following his death in a fiery plane crash. It has nothing to do with tea or our kitchen, and you can pre-order it on Amazon now. And while it is spine-tingling and terrifying, it is nothing compared to what I'm going to have to order off of Amazon to clean up that kitchen. Will you shut up about tea and our kitchen? Oh, I never shut up about tea. I really have thought about my answer to this question a lot. <laughs> really? A chance to think about yourself? I'm, I Took yes. up a lot of your time? Took up a lot of my time. Love thinking about myself. I... Everybody drink. Um, have been very blessed and very privileged when it comes to my home life. Like, my relationship with my parents was good. They were very eccentric and very much themselves, but I... But so but were you. So was I. <laughs> so they might have had some stuff to say about whether or not they were abused, Right. right? So I'm blessed in that regard. I was briefly cohabitating with someone who I think just didn't like me. And we were in a relationship, and I think we moved in together, and he just got to know the real me and didn't like me but wouldn't leave. (laughs) And I think um, what I learned from that is the piece of advice that my brilliant best friend Eric Shaw Quinn gave me was if you are descri- if your best friend was describing your situation yes. to you what advice would you give and um, if you cannot take that advice we should talk 
that's a problem. Why can you not give yourself the advice you would give your best friend? Why can you not care for yourself and love yourself the way you would your best friend? The answer is you should be able to. Yeah, you know? I think so. And so it reached a point of um, the exhaustion of two people. I, well, I would argue one person contorting himself to try to please the other. Um, oh, yeah. And you were the only one trying yeah. to please everybody <laughs> in that relationship. I mean, it was that asshole. My I God, ju- what an asshole. I just, it was, um, if you can't, if you can't love, you can't love the potential boyfriend. That's the thing. That's the other thing you got from your brilliant yeah, best right. friend, Eric Zuckerman. You have right. to love the person that you're actually with. If the person that you're actually with has some co- some faults and some problems that you think things will be great if they stop having them, mm-hmm. then you should leave. Yes. Because you need to be able to live with the person that you're with exactly as they are for all eternity or you should leave. And I will say my... Ex- it might change, but it, that can't be the reason that you stayed. My experience with people, the the other advice that I get usually from people who are in relationships is when it's unsolicited. And I'm going to tell you, there are very few people I have gone to for relationship advice who are who are in relationships because I have to actually think your relationship looks halfway decent and halfway happy and fulfilling. <laughs> I had one straight couple who I would go to because I thought they were madly... In love, Greg uh-huh. and Delina. Uh-huh. Really like, and I would go to them because they could talk about how to make it work. Yeah. But I would have other couples who would really lean in and hold forth on what they thought I should be doing. And I would have to bite my tongue and say, I don't want to be in your relationship right. in 20 million years. Stop lecturing me. I would right. rather be alone than have what you have I with your partner. I don't want what you have. Man. Yeah, I do not want what you have. And so there's a <laughs> lot of this is how you compromise. And I think. There seem to be two types of people out there in the world. People who feel they cannot be happy or complete without a romantic relationship and people who, as Whoopi Goldberg said, I don't want anyone in my house, you know? <laughs> and it's two different temperaments and maybe you turn into the other after after a while or whatever, but I am, I'm at a point today where the idea of forcing myself to live with someone who doesn't seem happy to see me is like, oh, you got to be fucking kidding me. I just, I just like, there's no I way. I really... I'm really surprised that I turned out to be a single person. I really am. Like, I think I would have been a great boyfriend or whatever, but it that's the way my life has worked out. And I, it surprises me. Mm-hmm. But as I always say to people, I'm not single because I turned down a bunch of great offers. Right. I'm single because there were never any offers. You right. know, like, it's like, oh, all right. Yeah. That's how this is going to play out. And, I won't defer my happiness. Right. Like it's not conditional. I will be happy the end. Right. You know, and if this is how it's going to be, I'm not going to wait and be happy later on and I think that's what a lot of people fall into with relationship stuff. I can't be happy until I'm in a relationship so they accept themselves into relationships that don't turn out to be or aren't from the start mm-hmm. very good. With that sort of conditional belief of like, yeah, well, if he changes or if he does this or if he does that, he'll get to be better. And honest to God, like I've heard that thing and like, yeah, I'm I will be sorry that I didn't spend more time at work. Yeah. (laughs) On my deathbed, I might be sorry that I didn't spend more time at work. Oh, I should have written that novel about so and so. Yeah. I you know, like 
I would love to be in a relationship with somebody, but it would have to be an enhancement to the life I already have because I already love my life. Well, and I, this is the thing that I think gets harder and harder the older you get is is the idea of someone coming in and deciding they're going to have input in who you're friends with, right? Oh, that's like out of when the I hear a partner say, "I just need to be number one," it's like, oh, oh. Okay, first of all, <laughs> like I understand what you mean, but when you say it like that, it sounds like fatal attraction. It sounds a little psycho. Yeah. I need to be number one. Partners who separate their um, loved ones from their friends, you know, that's really the first uh-huh. sign of an abusive relationship. Oh, yeah. Your partner is allowed to have friends. They're allowed to have friends that they, they share intimate details with. I think that that's important socially. I think they're allowed to be completely independent yeah. of other people. The only <laughs> the only yeah. interaction you have is the nature of this relationship. And if that doesn't isn't enough for you, then you are not ready to be in a relationship. But and I had this friend who said to me once, No, you need that person that you can you can lie in bed naked with and share all your thoughts and feelings with. And it's like, I've, I've done that with a lot of people. <laughs> we're naked, we're in bed, I'm sharing my thoughts and feelings. I'm not a riddle. I do a podcast where I brain vomit like every week with my best friend. Like, you know, like I just think there's, there's an, or, there is a belief that uh, among a certain group of people that you are not complete unless you are in a relationship. And I think I think we're moving away from it as a culture, and I think it's freaking a lot of people out in different ways. I think the attacks on gay people wanting to get married were really coming from uh, traditional religious uh, straight people who were watching less and less of their straight brethren get married or enter into relationships in the way that they thought was appropriate for them. I actually think the reason that less and less people are in relationships is that we've gotten such a fucked up notion of what relationships are or should be. Yeah, yeah. I think that people think that the other person's job is to make them happy. And what do you think it is? I think it is a person with whom you would like to share your life. Yeah. Like, it's my job to make me happy right like yeah it's never somebody else's and the moment i expect that of somebody else the relationship is ruined yeah being with somebody else can make you happy yeah the nature of that but that is not their responsibility right yeah and the moment that it becomes their responsibility the relationship is already over well you've put this unbelievable pressure on absolutely them. how could that possibly be yours your responsibility is to keep me alive to make me happy to, to provide for me in but, a way that i yeah and the, and the part in the wedding vows about in sickness and health does not add in and then you will cure me of cancer right you know and trying to make somebody my hand permanently happy is the same thing as curing them of of an ill yeah something that's i just think that is the reason that people are less and less in relationship because we are expecting the wrong things we've been communicated to by mass media about what the nature of songs Mm -hmm. about what the nature of relationships is and they're just that's just nonsense. Well, we started talking about relationships, but I think that's it's a relevant topic. Like I said, there were two camps. There was what was the grossest apartment and who was the grossest partner. Right. And that's pretty much the the you know, the those are the two elements that would make for an untenable living situation. Is there another one you have in mind? Uh another living situation of mine that I have in no, mind. No, from, or, from uh, the our, uh, delicious party. Yes. Group. If you have one, I'm no, I'm, I'm all I'm, game I'm, to hear I'm it. I'm at the end. I, I had to live in a shitty dorm at one of my colleges. Oh, no. 
Yeah. yeah. And that mostly, that was bad because I didn't know how to live in a dorm. If you learn how to live in a communal space like that, you can have a better experience than I, I did. I just can't imagine living I, in a communal space. I, I just... It was not my favorite thing. And I, I, it was a college with beautiful dorms and I was in the shitty industrial cinder block one. Like there were dorms there that like, were like, you know, a Shonda Rhyme show about college, you uh-huh. know? And then there was mine, which looked like it was, you know, from the show yeah. that shoots in Canada for $5. Um, Ooh, oh, sorry, Canada. Nothing against Canada. There's just some cut rate locations there that producers use. Charity Morgan. My landlord stored a large amount of his personal possessions in my closets. I never agreed to that. He dumped his poor old disabled dog on the front lawn. The dog had no use of its back legs. He forbade me from letting the dog into the house. Oh, my God. He would drive by and throw scraps from fast food into the yard for the dog to eat. This is like a TV show. I did my best to make the poor thing comfortable in the carport and fed it good dog food. The landlord put live feed cameras up on the neighbor's house pointed into my backyard. There was a pool and an eight-foot fence. I didn't know the cameras were there, so I... Oh, my God, I skinny dipped a few times before I found out. I caught him peeping through the fence into the backyard. This guy's going to be on a Netflix show. Oh, my Worst God, landlord he already ever. be there. I caught him peeping through the fence into the backyard. He let himself into the house without notice to get personal items from the closets he was using without my permission. He started a physical fight with my boyfriend and punched him in the head. Tried to withhold my security deposit when I moved out after three months. I had Renfair friends with swords come over and get a check put in my hand. <laughs> but finally, Excellent friends. That's my favorite part of this story. I'm, Renfair friends Renfair, with swords. Renfair rebellion. I love it. But th- you, this is amazing. Oh, my God. That's, that's a really bad living situation. That's a really bad living situation. That's really, yeah, that guy's going to be... That's going to be way worse, yeah. A Netflix show. Or one of those cops or predator entrapment shows. Yeah. (laughs) Natalie Gudermanson, one of our most devoted party people, says, I applaud the brave people who are sharing their stories. I won't share mine here, but I look forward to hearing this episode. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, along those lines, we got an anonymous submission. Oh. We got, uh, this is somebody who said... Yeah, that they wanted to share their story, but with no names involved. Okay. My ex and I bought a house with a garden tub. I have always wanted one. But he said it was gross to turn on the bubbles because the former owner's germs were in the pipes. Is that how it works? Is that how science works? I don't think that's how science works. I think if you run hot water through the pipes, it kills the germs, doesn't it? I think... Chlorine kills the germs. I'm hearing through my headset. <laughs> Our local heterosexual Brandon Griffith and sound engineer absolutely think chlorine kills the germs and filter and infiltration and fresh water is coming in from somewhere. It's not the same water, is it? I don't know. That's I mean, where you're when getting you get right down to it. We've probably all the water on the plant's already been drunk at least, and once. it's all been pee at least right? six hundred times. Okay. So her boyfriend bashed the. Jacu- uh, hold on, let me get up this. So he didn't like the jacuzzi. Um, he took a sledgehammer and crushed and removed it. As far as replacing it went, he said he'd get to it. Uh-oh. I'll get to it. Uh, he left a dark, gaping hole to the crawl space for the rest of the time I was there. 
Whatever temp it was under the house was the temp in the primary suite. Whatever creepy crawlies were under there also found their way up to the primary suite. Oh, God, I can't handle that. I don't know if you're familiar with wolf spiders, but they're especially alarming before coffee. God. (laughs) That's like a tarantula. Oh, God, no. Except scarier. I left for reasons I'm not going into. He finally replaced the tub months after I moved out and tried to make the payout of my portion of the house contingent on paying for remaining repairs completed after I left, of which the tub was listed as the line item. He pointed out specifically that he got the color I requested. Upside down smiling emoji to finish off that sentence. One day when I write my comic Southern Gothic novel, the hell mouth in the bathroom will feature heavily. Yeah. <laughs> I that is that is that is a choice that is ooh. so the, the hot tub was in the bathroom I didn't get that until the end of the story no. so he literally punched a, ba- a bathtub size hole in the floor of the bedroom and said I'll get to it I and can't even. didn't deal with it yeah, like no. or cover it with plastic apparently I just yeah. think that's the most that's just disgusting yeah okay I think we're gonna get gross again oh dear Tommy Ann Elquist Gunther. I will try to keep this short. A while back, the grandchild and I were invited to my daughter. She lives in Mississippi. We made it there and were not surprised by the roach infestation because I had lived in Mississippi years right. ago. Right, uh, the, the moisture is just oh, yeah. escaping. They're typically they're called palmetto bugs down there, but they're like giant flying roaches. Enormous. My daughter tends to hoard things. Oh God! Oh no! I see where this is going. So that was a bit of a surprise. The f- first. Night, as we slept on the sofa in the living no. room, we heard glass break oh, in the kitchen. Oh, my God. I did not go check it out. <laughs> oh, God. In the morning, we went to make breakfast and found a couple of jars broken in the pantry. Oh, God. I just thought it was weird until the next day when I went to do laundry and heard the loud squeaking of rats in the room, but out of sight. Besides that shock, the fact that those giant roaches could get into the food in the refrigerator just about killed me oh, that's needless just, to say that's our visit just, oh was cut God. short and we were thrilled to get back home i think the fact that none of that seemed to concern the family living there was the most upsetting to me let me tell you something the biggest Anne rice fact i don't know if this is public knowledge she hated roaches and when we went back to new orleans her biggest hang-up were those goddamn roaches and they're big they're the same bugs that tommy Ann was talking about in and mississippi she, and she just I was it was almost like our relationship to snakes. Mm-hmm. We watched we sat down with her to watch the movie Wally and it opens with Wally forming a friendship with what is basically a little cockroach mm-hmm. character and that was it and was out of the room. That's it. She was out. She didn't watch another minute of that film. Okay. She just couldn't deal with she it. She couldn't. Thank you to everyone who shared your story. There were some pretty brave entries in there and we really appreciate it. We have an exciting thing. Um we have Jordan Ambersand is here finally to do his big. Is he? Sec- yeah, I think he's here. Isn't he here? I don't know. It's, this Hold is on. Your let, me, thing. let me check my phone. He he went out to do a survey because it's Eric moving on month, so he was going to. And we talked a lot about relationships, so this is like perfect. He was going to interview a lot of gay couples who live together to get a sort of you know it's going to be his piece de resistance, if you will. He's been working on this for weeks. Where is he? Hold on. I have no idea. Oh, I have a voicemail. Okay. I guess we'll just play his voice. Should I listen to his No, let's just play his voicemail. Let's just see what he had to say. Hi, 
so tonight's canceled because the thing I did where I interviewed all the couples who live together got awkward when I hooked up with all the couples who live together. Or sometimes I just hooked up with half the couple and that made it, like, more awkward. So anyway, sorry I won't be there, but I had to relocate for a little while because the restraining order is in effect. Against him, not me. I mean a couple of hims. I mean them. Okay, bye, later. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's, remember what I said earlier about... Lower, no, I don't want to talk the, about it. Lower I'm not ready to talk about it. I mean, we really, we're going to have to have a meeting about this. And I mean, you and me, not him. We're going to have to have a meeting about him. I am ready to have a meeting about him whenever okay. you're ready. Because, like, you know, have you seen the comments about him on the Facebook page? I, you know, I okay, think there's they're a me- overdue. I think they may be past you. We're going to have a meeting. Okay, that was not how I wanted to end this episode. Fucking Jordan Ampersand. Okay. Okay, so that's not happening. That's not happening. What else do you want to talk about, Eric Shawquan? Um, I, you know, like worst work relationships. <laughs> I think you covered that one. <laughs> I kind of doubled down. I got both. You got a double. I got whammy both. Whammy there. Um, do I you know I have actually had a worse work relationship than that. I can believe it. I actually I, have actually had I worked with somebody who I didn't live with him, fortunately, but yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. That's the thing about the story. Having to live with the person you're having the work conflict with. And I will say this, and this will be the last thing I have to say on the topic, and then I think we can talk about what we're doing next week. Oh, okay. Um well, I see. I'm gonna cut it short. Disputes with neighbors can make communal living situations really difficult. Uh, I'm really sparing about what type of fight I'm willing to get in with somebody who actually lives in my building. Yeah. Because I've, I've lived in a condo building for years, and I just know there's a cost to that. It really has to be important. Home has to be yeah. an oasis. I can take all the storms in life that you can throw at me, but when I go home and close the door at the end of the day, it needs to be my safe space, right. my oasis. And if it's not... Yeah. There is very little length I will not go to mm-hmm. to get to the other side of that. I feel I like my just... chair is particularly noisy today. Have you felt that way? Maybe it's because I'm sitting too heavily in I it. I just think you're twitchy. I think I'm twitchy. You're I'm just twitchy. twitchy today. Maybe maybe extra tea or extra something. Tea. What did you put in this tea? <laughs> just tea. Tea. Extra tea. Yeah, extra tea. No, it's just the regular amount. Next week, we're finishing out Eric's Moving On Month. Your renovations are going to take five oh years. Oh, my God. We'll come back to that. We'll have, like, no. a Mardi Gras celebration. We'll of- have sub-themes. We'll have sub- we'll have Tarasso Month or something, or Drapes <laughs> Month. But we're not going to... This is Eric's Moving On I'll Month. I'll keep you guys posted on things as they progress, and, and then what the air date for my home renovation show. So we're going to talk about, on our next installment of True Crime TV Club, um, one of the most exciting and celebratory moving stories stories out there the amityville horror (laughs) will be serving up a documentary called my amityville horror which is available to stream on various platforms (laughs) well here's hoping that i don't wind up with that component like maybe it'll be a challenge to get all the renovations done but uh, i'm hoping there won't be you know um, uh, a (laughs) malignant 
a malignant spirit living a, malign- in a, a malevolent spirit. Malevolent, that's yeah. it. A malevolent spirit living in my house. Well, it's going to be a great opportunity to talk about whether we actually think a malevolent spirit was living in the Amityville house because I think there's going to be I think there's going to be a bit of both sides in this documentary. They interview the son or one of the sons of the family, George and Kathy Lutz. Right, there were two sons and a daughter, I, I think. I think that's it. I think that's it. We're going to find out. We're going to find out on next week. Once again, as always, you do not have to watch the show to enjoy our podcast because we serve it up in such steaming, salacious detail. You'll feel like you suffered through it with us. Yeah, that's what we're looking for. <laughs> we like to make you suffer here. More suffering. Yeah. Until then and forever after, I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. And you're listening to TDPS Presents Christopher. And Eric. Thanks. This is TDPS.